where I'm going to have you turn to two scriptures. Matthew chapter 5, which will be, it's been our main text. But also put a finger over in 1 Peter chapter 1, which we'll get to later in the message. But in Matthew chapter 5, like I started to explain here to you, throughout these six weeks, we're doing this red letter living. And if you have a Bible that has red letters, that means Jesus is speaking, or God. Um, and what we did was the first week we ran through, starting at verses 13 down to 20, about who we are. God, you know, Jesus is trying to tell us, you're not just the salt of the world, you're the light of the world. And if you're not salty, if you're not the light that you're supposed to be, then what good, basically, are you doing? You can't win the loss to the Lord if you're always in these four walls. You can't win the loss to the Lord if you're out there in the world living like them. So our challenging question in week one was, if we lose our saltiness, which that saltiness is supposed to draw people to God through your life, our saltiness, how can we become salty again? And that's what this whole challenge, this red letter living, this is it. It's not just about the things you do, it's actually the motives of your heart. Have you had somebody say something to you and you think, you don't really mean that? Have you had somebody do something for you and then later on find out that they really didn't want to do it anyway? And then all of a sudden, it just doesn't mean anything. Same principle. So during the first week, we looked at that. Second week, we looked at uh, murder in the first was the title of the message. And we actually tried pleading the case for our guilty heart. Because the first week, we learned... Uh, our heart might not be as pure as we'd like to think. As a matter of fact, I think it was in Proverbs that it says, oh, yeah, you know, man screams out, yeah, my heart is bright, you know, all my actions, I'm good, I'm good. And God says, you know what? I judge and I weigh your heart, and then I know the truth. So then when, when the second week when we jumped into it and we're pleading the case for our guilty heart, we realized that uh, still not good. He went into murder. You know, you say, you've heard it said, do not murder. Jesus says, I say, if you even hate a brother, you've already committed murder. And then he went as far to say, and we dug into it in the message, that if you even know somebody has ought, has something against you, it's your responsibility to go make it right. Even when it's not your fault. Ouch. Week three, we jumped into God's love covenant and we focused on the, the, if you've got headers in your Bible where it's adultery and divorce. And we learned that it's not just about a physical act. Adultery and divorce is also a spiritual act. That even if you've never had a real, you know, physical relationship, if you're not married or not with a significant other, that you have, if you started a relationship with God, You've joined into a love covenant with God. And that love covenant can be uh, broken on your part. You could divorce it. You can commit adultery upon it. You know, and over and over again, we learned in that message that when we put something in place of God, when we start an effectuation with something more than God, we're committing spiritual adultery. 
It's a betrayal of devotion. And then last week we jumped into Walk the Talk when we started focusing on oaths by reading verses 33 through 37. We needed to begin to walk the talk. We tackled the issues that he brought up just in these few scriptures about simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. It's in those gray areas that Satan's playground. Doubt and confusion is his biggest tool. Started in the Garden of Eden. Eden when he said, did God really say that? That's why he says, stay away from that. Doubt and confusion is the enemy's camp. Don't, don't play there. Don't play there. Yes and no. Simple yes and no. He said, do not swear at all. And in this context, he's talking about, you know, the basic agreement. Hey, if you do this and I do this, and if I break my agreement, well, you can have this. And the, the context here was, you have nothing to swear by. Everything that's here, everything in heaven is God's. Everything on earth is God's. You have nothing to give. You can't swear by anything. It's all mine. But then he went on to say, but keep your oaths to the Lord. The only thing we have is our life that we can surrender back to God. God, I can live my life. That's your choice. Because he didn't make you a robot. He gave you free will to choose to love him, to choose to serve him. So walking the talk is keep your oath to God. When you committed your life to God, asking God's forgiveness and for Jesus to be the Savior, he also became the Lord of your life. Which means you handed him the reins to your life. Said you take control now. You made a covenant agreement with God. God fulfilled his part of the agreement are you living to fulfill your end of the agreement? If not, when you stand before God and you request, you want, you expect that covenant reward, enter into my kingdom, well done, good and faithful servant. If you haven't been fulfilling your end of the agreement, then your contract is null and void. don't try to put these messages together to be bummers. I don't. But I think too many preachers these days are, are preaching flowery, feel-good messages while people are sliding into hell. And over and over again, I'm gripped with the realization that I'm held accountable for what I share from this pulpit. For your souls. And if I set up here and just preach flowery messages, feel-good messages, and I like to have fun, and I really, I like light and fluffy messages. Really, I do. But if I don't tell you the truth, I'm held accountable for that. So, sorry, I just felt like that, you know, because it was like, oh, oh. I always feel like I'm getting the stab in my heart first. Oh, 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 Lord. Okay. Today we want to focus on week five. We're going to look at, continuing on with the words of Jesus, we're going to be focusing on the two headers, if you have headers in your Bible, an eye for an eye 
and love for your enemies. And the title of today's message is Our Love Commitment. See, a few weeks ago we talked about God's love covenant with us. We have, this is our agreement basically, part of our agreement, our love commitment. Today's focus is on our relationship with our enemies. Rod Lloyd, I mean, here, let me just give you a peek into, and I know it's going to be a little bit too private for some of you, but every morning, two cups of coffee, got to get them down before I even, you know, go back upstairs and try to start getting ready for the morning. And no matter how late I'm running to, it's like, sorry, two cups of coffee comes, you know, it's like me and God and two cups of coffee. Anyway, and every morning I grab my phone and when I'm going into the bathroom, I'm plugging in my speaker and I'm getting out a podcast and I'm listening to a message while I'm getting ready. I need to get fed. I need to get fed on things that have nothing to do with opening my Bible and looking for what's my next message, you know? I plugged in this morning and top of my list, because I subscribe to a few podcasts, Rod Lloyd. Some of you have heard him speak for um, the pastors in Michigan District. Title of his message, and I didn't even look to see when it was preached. Love your enemies. And so I yelled out this morning, you have got to be kidding me. I said, no, he can't be preaching that scripture. He preached this scripture too. And then I started getting mad. I'm like, come on, God. People are going to think I just listened to this and copied it all down. And I mean, right away I started, you know, I'm message wouldn't I speak to the body I'm like all right God so really I tried not to use any of his examples but I did grab my phone a couple times and say oh that was good I'm gonna make a note of that one but I will give him credit if I use anything of his but so God is trying to teach us something here you know that's not only happened one that happens multiple times where it's like, oh, man, I just preached that, and now I'm here. Everybody preach it. They must have listened to my podcast. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but God is trying to speak something to the body. That it's not just, because remember, we've done a lot of messages on forgiveness and, and harboring unforgiveness, and you've got to forgive, you've got to forgive, you've got to forgive. But this goes one step further. Because as hard as you think it is to just forgive and forget, how much harder is it to love the one you're forgiving? Whoa. And at some point in your life, and maybe even as you're sitting here today, we've all had an enemy in our life. You know, somebody that's hurt us, lied to us, spoke evil of us, betrayed us, abused us. I mean, the list can go on and on and on. Somebody at one point, or multiple people at many points, in your life has been listed as your enemy. But whatever the reason, 
Jesus is laying out a prescription for us to not just forgive them, but to love them. And how to do that is the hard part. And that's what we're going to dive in today to look at. So let's read together first. Matthew 5, like I said, we're going to read 38 verses 38 through 48. <clears throat> Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. I don't want your tooth, just in case you wanted to know. Maybe in a few years, if you got some nice-looking dentures. But other than that, now hold on to it. Eye for an eye, though. I might take somebody's eye. Right there, in that one. Right there. Okay, sorry. Ah. Verse 39. But I tell you, now Jesus said, you heard it said, but now I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other one also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Continue reading here. Verse 43, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. And 48 says, be perfect. Some translations, original says holy. Be holy, therefore, as your heavenly Father is holy. In these red letter passages, here it is. Jesus is warning us, do not resist an evil person and love your enemies. Do not resist an evil person. If they're persecuting you, suing you, slapping you in the face, which was a huge disgrace in those times, it still is today. Hello? Someone slaps you in the face? I mean, wadding up a fist and punching you, that's not really a disgrace. It hurts. But a slap in the face? It's a disgrace. If they're persecuting you, suing you, slapping in your face, disgracing you, slandering you, don't resist them. And they're not, come on, the flesh says, I'm going to do to you what you're doing to me, right? Be honest, come on, you're in church. You slap me, I'll slap you. Yeah, doesn't it? Or if you're really holy, you're just, I'm out of here, right? And you think you're doing the good thing. He didn't say that, he said, don't resist him. If he slaps you on one cheek, give him the other cheek. What if he slaps that one? Give him the other one again. It says if he wants, if he's going to sue you and take one thing from you, well, give him two things. If he's begging you, not begging you, if he's forcing you to go one mile, go with him two. Do not resist an evil person. What? But let me ask you. If you withhold love, aren't you just as evil? 
If you resist that evil person, oh, you're going to, oh, hello, um, you're going to explode. You're toxic. I'm just staying away from you. Aren't you just as evil? What if you did that to one of your children when they misbehave? Oh, I never misbehave. Liar. <laughs> Nobody has perfect children. Nobody does. No child is perfect. But with the first time that they threw, and I had them. Trust me, I raised six kids. And the one, the first time they threw themselves down, on, and it was my daughter, threw herself down at the checkout, you know, grocery store, because she wanted something candy. I hate those marketers. They just know where to get you. You know, they could put it up here where the kids couldn't see it. No, they have to put all that stuff down there. And they want it. And she threw herself down on the floor and started snotting and screaming that she wanted it. If I would have just went, oh, hello, okay, see you later. Where's the love in that? But I picked her up and like a nice mom, I went, you're going to stand up. I'm going to spank your butt. Here in front of everybody. I remember Isaiah in a Walmart, you know, we're head with, heading back to, you know, back of Walmart. And he wanted to go to toys and I'm holding his hands. He's a little guy. So no, we don't have time. We're not going to toys. He started. The, I said, buddy, you better stop that right now or we're heading to the bathroom. I said, okay. And I mean, that calm. I said, we're heading to the bathroom. So, and he knew he was going to get spanked in the bathroom. As I turned and started heading to the bathroom, he went full board, froze up on me, legs like this. Don't beat me. And I'm like, oh, quiet. Oh, quiet. Oh, quiet. And I mean, he was, and I'm dragging, you better stop that, boy. You better stop that. Oh, yeah, I know. You never had that happen, I'm sure. And then we got in the bathroom, going the handicap, and sat down there, and I'm talking to him. Don't ever do that again. I spank your butt. I don't beat you, but, you know, don't we say that in joking? We're like, you know, kids, go beat your butt. Anyway, but where's the love in that if we just resist? We wouldn't do that with our child. We wouldn't do that with our family. We wouldn't walk away from them. It says don't resist them. You can't give love to them. You can't disciple them. You can't bridge that relationship. You can't build. You can't do that if you resist them and just walk away. So it's not enough to just forgive them. You got to hold them, love them, don't resist them. And they might kick and scream and spit. And like we talked in class this morning, if your kids don't hate you once in your life, you're doing something wrong. We weren't called to be their friends. We were called to be their parents. Anyway, that's another message. But you can't resist the evil person because you can't share the love with that person if you just walk away from them. And love is the only way to overcome evil. Love is the only way. Romans 12, 9 through 21. Let me just read it to you. Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another. In love, honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual 
fervor, serving the Lord. Lord, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction. Oh, patient. Faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Be and practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, but mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Verse 20, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Did you hear that? If you resist the evil person, you are being overcome by evil. You are letting evil overcome you. You're not weak-willed. You have not been given a spirit of fear. I mean, I could go on and on and on. All the scriptures that says stand. And when you've done everything else, stand. Do not resist evil. The only way you can overcome evil is with love. I have to admit, the first time I read this, you know, you feed them and you, you, you know, give them water. And when you do this, you're heaping burning coals on their head and they're going to burn up right there. And you're like, ha ha. Right? Come on. I'm being way too honest this morning. I, I have to tell the little, you know, you ever have the little, little angel on this and little demon? This guy is loud sometimes. He's like, ha ha, get him. And I'm like, yeah, I'll be good to you because God's going to get you. Really? And I, I had to really start researching, you know, what is that trying to say? I mean, I, I don't think I want to heap burning coals on their head. But this was actually a Jewish custom in that time. The, it was in the Bible lands, you remember everybody and still over there, they carry everything on their head. You know, most just women, right? Mostly just women. Yeah, they take care of everything in the house anyway. Um, but they carry everything on their head, water, jars, baskets of fruit, vegetables, fish, any other article, they just throw it on top of their head and take off, carrying it rarely without ever touching it with their hands. They walk through crowded streets and lanes with perfect ease. In many homes, the only fire that they have is kept in what's called, a, and I'm going to crucify this little word, I think it's called brazier, a brazier, a brazier, brazier, anyway, which they use for simple cooking as well as for warmth. The task is to always keep it burning, always keep the coals hot. If it should go out, the woman of the house would put her brazier up on her head, 
and go to our neighbor and ask for coals. If our neighbor is a generous person, they will heap the brazier full of coals to feed an enemy and give him drink was like heaping the empty brazier full of burning coals, which meant food, warmth, and maybe even life itself for the person or the home needing it. It was a symbol of finest generosity to heap burning coals on their head. Hello. That was a ding. That was God saying, yes, that was it. No? Okay. Good answer. Good an No, okay. So it wasn't a wicked act. Oh, I'm going to do good to them. God will get them. But no, it was an act of generosity to just not resist that evil person. To overcome evil with good. Not be overcome by evil. Jesus also mentioned if you're forced to go one mile, go two. In Roman culture... At any time, a Roman soldier could grab a citizen, a civilian, a person, and demand that they carry all of his gear, but law required that he could not make them go any farther than one mile. So what he's alluding to right here is in Roman culture, if you got grabbed by a soldier and forced to go one mile carrying his gear, if you just do that, what have you really accomplished? Go with them too. Because that's where love overcomes evil. Because could you imagine for that whole next mile walking, carrying that Roman soldier's gear, he'd be asking, what are you doing? You know, your mile ended a while ago. I can get somebody else. No, 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 it's okay. I got it. Why? Why do you got it? What are you doing? What are you trying to prove? Well, let me tell you. Jesus said, I needed to go the second mile. To love. To bless. It's in that second mile that we overcome evil. Our love commitment, don't resist an evil person. And number two, love your enemies. <sighs> Let's just think about that for a second. Everyone that's been on your list at some point or another that you've marked over there because of, for whatever reason, your microphone cuts out on you and then you call your tech person your enemy. I would not my enemy, but if your microphone cuts out on you and at some point or another you've moved a person to that list, my enemy list. It's not you. But those people on your list, your enemy list, even just one, they're people. They're not a name. They're not an it. They're people. And as a matter of fact, if you really want to look at the grand scheme of things, they're God's child. You know, I alluded to this movie that we saw a while ago over and over and over again. And whether you like it or don't like it, I don't care. Really. Sorry. But in that movie, The Shack, the father wanted and was demanding judgment for the man who murdered his little girl. 
justified, don't you believe? As a, as a parent, you're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But wisdom took him through until he could see the reality of the situation. Is you are demanding as a father judgment for the man who murdered your daughter. But God, as the heavenly father, we're all his children. And as difficult as it would be for you to try to judge between your children, which one is damned to hell and which one is going to heaven, as horrible as, as that, you couldn't do it. How could you? You can't ask me to choose. We ask God to choose all the time. Whose phone keeps going off up here? Somebody something keeps going off up here. Uh-oh. Oh, Amy. Is it, is it your iPad? Oh, yeah, she says, oh. But those dings are coming at some good points in my message, though, so we're going to. We're going to keep that going, Amy. We worked that out. Okay, focus. Back on track here. But just like you can't choose between your children, when some evil person or somebody from our enemy list does something and we want quick vengeance, God, get them, God, get them. you got to remember that's still his child. And you're asking him to do something. Could you even do yourself? Do we always love all the choices our kids make? Jacob? Oh, no. he's <laughs> No. Does that mean we approve of them? No. But we hold out hope and love and compassion and mercy that God will touch their heart. And that they will give their life to the Lord and be saved before it's too late. Don't we? As a parent, as, as finite beings with limited ability to love truly. Well, what do you think God's father heart is? That's finite. It's unimaginable how much he loves. He is love. He, he, he can't see anything else. So don't mistake his patience for his permission. His patience is waiting for all to be saved. It's not his permission that evil exists. It's his patience that all will turn and all will come home again. Love your enemy. And love must be an action. It can't be a resisting and a just walking away from that person. A love must be done in action. He slaps you on one side of your cheek. Turn to him the other. If he wants your coat, give him your scarf and hat and boots with it. If he's telling you you have to go one mile, then generously go two miles. Because it's in that second thing. It's in that second mile. It's in that extra act of kindness that love overcomes evil. As I close, which I'm going to try to do this as fast as possible, but I have to admit that the teacher part of me loves picking apart God's word in simple ways. I mean, Missy was just reminding me, and I've got her now started on it. I, I love circling the words that say as. I love circling the words that say 
you know, therefore, and circling the word, you know, there's just so that, you know, there's just word because he's trying to put things together. And when we read God's word in context and simply slow down and chew slowly, we get so much more out of God's word that it then becomes plausible. It's possible to start, oh, I can do that. I can do that. I mean, think about it. The last verse that we read says, be holy. God says, be holy as I am holy. What? How is that possible? How can I be holy? I mean, honestly, in your prayers, don't you end up muttering some things like, I'm a worm, I'm unworthy. You start getting real low because you're like, you know, I'm a dog, I messed up, you know. Come on. When I get out of bed, the first thing I say, oh, thank you, Lord, that you give me another chance because, boy, did I screw up yesterday. I messed up. He's saying, be holy as I am holy. How is that possible? And what I wanted to do is give you as much as I could without really, like, throwing a big piece of steak out there and making you choke on it right before we leave, is I wanted you to see some. How can I love my enemy? How can I? Begin to walk holy as God is holy. And that's why I ask you to turn over to Matthew chapter 1. And I want to just break down this scripture with you. And if you brought a paper Bible and a pen, you are my friend. Because we're going to circle some things in your Bible. Starting at verse 1. Sorry, not verse 1. Verse 22. And remember, chapters were put in there and headers and stuff. It, it, it was broken up. But for you to get the full context, don't stop at those. So if you're reading chapter 1, carry on the thought. Look into chapter 2, verses 1, 2, 3, and see, does this carry the same thought? I need to keep reading. I'm not just stopping at, you know, the end of the chapter because, well, it's the end of the chapter. This is a living... You are like my problem child today, aren't you? I love that. We were picking on her in class today, too. Oh, Amy, God loves you so much, Amy. I won't put her on my list. Anyway, so make sure you're reading through the context of the scripture. So we're going to read 1 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to go right into chapter 2. Now I've cut out, didn't I? Oh, did I? Okay. I am distracted. Do you hear something? Oh, it's Amy playing her music. Oh, okay. <laughs> First Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 22. Now that, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers. And who's your brothers? Everybody. Everybody. We just learned that. Everyone. Love one another deeply from the heart, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, 
but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander, and every big spider that's crawling down here, somebody needs to get that thing. All right, there's not pee running down my legs. I, I, I was scared there for a minute. I'm blaming that one on you too, Amy. That was big. That one scared me. Oh my. I'm going to lay hands on you later. Therefore, rid yourselves of all mass. Save yourselves. Abandon ship. Okay, focus. Rid yourselves of all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander, and every kind. And like newborn babies crave spiritual, pure spiritual milk. Jacob, you got my back, right? You keep an eye up here, okay? Watch, buddy. Watch, buddy. So that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Missy, let me just pick on you for a minute. Did you see lots of things that you wanted to circle? Those fun little words? Oh, yeah, she's saying, oh, yeah, I'm getting it now. Let me quickly take you through this. That alone, those few scriptures alone, if you focus on the right words and what they're trying to say, you gain so much. This is it right here. Now that. The word now that. It started with now that. Because. Because what? You have purified yourselves. How? By obeying the truth. Now that. Because you have purified yourselves. How? See, ask the right questions. Ask the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will make God's word alive to you. Will give you discernment. So while I'm reading, I'm asking. I'm always praying, Holy Spirit, teach me, teach me, teach me. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth. Now that because you have purified yourself. How do you purify yourself? By obeying the truth. Who is the truth? What is the truth? The word of God. The word of God. The word of God. So that. So that means results are coming. He's about ready to explain results. So that what? You have sincere love. For your brothers. So that. Now that. Because you have purified yourselves. By obeying the truth. So that. Here's the result. You can have sincere love for your brothers. So it's not just an action that you're trying to do. And don't really feel it. Sincere love from your heart. How can I do. You're laughing. Is there something behind me? Okay. Live demonstration of slapping one cheek right there. In order for us to have sincere love for our our brothers. For. For. The word for. F-O-R. For. Here's the reason. 
The reason why I want to have sincere love for my brothers is because you have been born again. Here's that love covenant that we talked about, God's love covenant. You're part of the agreement. You were born again. You need to love as I love. You need to forgive as I forgave. Four. What's the reason? Why do I want to obey the truth? Why do I want to be purified? Why do I want to have sincere love? Because you have been born again. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For, there's the reminder. And in our main scripture that we read in Matthew 5, remember he said, pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of God. That you may be. When are we sons of God? Oh, when we love those who persecute us. And we don't resist the evil person. So for, the reason, is because you've been born again. Therefore, I love that word. So he gives us results. He says, here it is. Or in other scriptures, you'll see he'll give you a promise. And he says, if you want this promise, therefore, here's what you need to do. Therefore, you want these results? Do this. Rid yourselves of all malice. The definition of malice is the desire to inflict injury, harm, or suffering on another, either because of hostile impulse or out of deep-seated Meanness. Have you ever just had somebody that's just plain mean? Malice. Rid yourselves of all malice. Meanness. What is your meanness going to produce? Meanness in others. And when they walk in the room, doesn't it just kind of suck all the sucks all the life right out of that room? Rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit. The C is a concealment or distortion of the truth for the purpose of misleading somebody. We've all heard partial truth stories. And usually it's because something's been done to us and we just want to tell you our side of the story. Well, it's not the whole truth, but it, it, this, is, this is my truth. Deceit is a misleading concealment or distortion of the truth. Hypocrisy, we all know hypocrisy is not, not doing what you are living or believing or not believing what you do. It's two people. Envy. Boy, I wish I had her money. Boy, I wish I had his car. Boy, it's not being content, but always wanting, always needing always wishing. Boy, life would be perfect if I had. Boy, life would be great if I would envy. It's not just of a thing. Slander of every kind. The definition of slander is making statements about someone that can damage their character or reputation. We talked about this in class. Slander could be as simple as, did you see what Helen was wearing today? slander it's damaging to the character or reputation of another I heard somebody just say the other day boy they would have been a better waitress I bet if I would have tipped them more 
That's slander. Well, on your part too, but anyway. Or we could have got seated faster, I'm sure, if we would, you know. It's slander. It's damaging to somebody's reputation, character. Even when it's true, it's still a rumor. It's still gossip. Sorry, not a rumor. It's still gossip. And then he says, like newborn babies, crave spiritual milk. Crave God's word. And if you've gotten to a place in your life where you're just, you just don't have any desire to read. I don't like to read. I don't have any time to read. This is your love letter. This is your life letter. You want to know how to get that well done, good and faithful servant? You won't get it apart from this. This is your instructions to living. You've got to know what he's asking you to do. You've got to have the word. And so pray. Don't think that you have to hide that from God. Hello, he knows your heart. When you open up the word and think, this is boring. Don't start with the begats. <laughs> the go start with, you know, there's a book in the Bible that doesn't even have chapters. It's so small. Start there. Start with the little and ask God every day. God, help me build my desire to want to know more about you and learn more about you. Like newborn babies crave that spiritual milk. And then he goes on, so that here's the results. I've gotten a couple results just in these couple scriptures. So that you may grow up in your salvation. This is how you will be perfect. How you can be holy as God is holy. You have a now that, so that, for this reason, therefore do this, so that, and this is it. This is how to live out the therefore. And then he ends with now that, here it is again, because you have tasted that the Lord is good. The Lord is good. Once you understand that God's love is towards all his children and his love can be made complete in you and through you, you have begun to taste of the Lord and realize he is good. He is good. He is good. We might not understand it all. You had good reasons to move that person into your list, into your enemy list. I'm sure. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not stating that what they did was right. But what you're doing isn't right either. By holding somebody hostage as your enemy, you're enslaving yourself. By withholding, resisting an evil person, you're withholding the love that they need. Now, I'm not telling you to be foolish and run out and you know, throw your arms around your abuser. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. That's, that's foolishness. How God tells you to walk this out. Practically. I'm telling you spiritually. Practically. Is don't resist them. Pray for them. Bless them. Don't just forgive them and forget them. 
But you want to know, am I really loving the enemy that was once my enemy? Can you picture them saved? Can you pray for them to be blessed? Can you continue, God, to pour your love on them until they're all out, sold out for you on fire? Love for souls is the bottom line. Love for all because all are God's children. That's our love commitment. So if I could just get you guys to all just stand up. I want to just close with praying for you. But I really feel compelled to close this a little bit different than we normally would. Can you see them forgiven and saved or are you still waiting for the day that they will get what they deserve? Remember, they're all God's children. And I know, like I said, I know that we battle with, I battle with this. You know, I I don't share everything of my past, nor would I ever. Um, I'll just say, but abusers have been a part of my past. Do I want to bless them? No. No, my, my flesh does not want to. As a matter of fact, when I, when I was really getting forgiveness and letting go of unforgiveness, my thought pattern, the only way I could let go of that was I actually had somebody teach me, you take them off your hook and you put them on God's hook. I think, yeah, they're going to get it from God. See, I, I was able to forgive, but I wasn't able to love. And that's the next step. You've heard it said. But now Jesus says, but I say. And I know we want to cry out, but you don't understand what they did. Do you think God does? You know, Jesus came to this earth to show love. To offer forgiveness. To restore the broken relationship between fallen man and Heavenly Father, or Heavenly Father. And what did he get in return for that? Physically, he got mocked. Physically, he got rejected. Physically, he was abandoned. Physically, he was crucified. It's nailed on the cross. And yet his words, while he was hanging on the cross... Drowning in his own blood. And doctors say that in order to survive on a cross, the crucified would have to push themselves up on their nails to take a breath because their lungs are filling up with blood. To be able to even speak, they would have to be pushing down on those nails to speak, to breathe and then go back down again because the pain would overtake them or they'd pass out because the pain would overtake them and then be able to push themselves up again. That's how they could stay alive longer on the cross. And he pushed himself up long enough to say, Father, forgive them. Don't hold this against them. That's loving your enemy. 
And that's where I want to close today is for us to close our eyes, bow our head. And if you've got somebody you thought about this person throughout this message or a few people or a group of people, whatever it is, I want you to just focus on that situation for a minute. That individual, that child of God. And ask God. Some scriptures I didn't read to you for lack of time was that his love is made complete in us when we choose to love. When we choose to love our enemies, it's his love. It's not out of your love. So you can pray right now, God, I need your love to be able to love this individual. Pour your love through me. Make your love complete in me and through me. Let your love go through me for this individual for these people God I want to forgive them I want to forget what happened but I want to be able to love them and have your love go in me and through me for them to bless them and believe for them Lord that they will come to you as your child your arms are open wide and waiting for them to return like the prodigal son God help me to continue to pray and lift them up to do that same that my heart would beat as your heart God to be holy as you are holy by loving even those that we've considered as our enemy God move through us move through us and like I said I want to close the service differently continue to keep praying but let me just speak over you if you're here and um, you don't have a a right relationship with God right now. Today's your day. You can re renew that relationship or begin that relationship with Him today by just simply asking Him, God, forgive me. Please forgive me for living my life on my own. I ask that you come into me. Make your home with me. Jesus, I ask that you be the Savior and the Lord of my life. And I'll live to follow you with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. And to love my neighbor as myself. The two greatest commandments. All the others hang on these two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And that's what we're trying to do today. It's easy to love those who are lovable. It's easy to love those who, who are nice to us. God didn't put those stipulations on us. He said to love all. Love all. It's your brothers and your sisters. So if you're here today and you want to begin, start, renew a relationship with God, I ask that you confirm it at the altar by having somebody pray over you and with you and help you take the next step. So please don't leave if you've made that commitment. Come and tell somebody. But also, I want us to close by just taking time. If you, during this message, said, yep, had an enemy on my list, and you're ready to just let that love flow through you, I'm asking even the altar workers, even the prayer team, I don't think that, I think we need to take time as well today, too. And come up front and just as an act, a, a, a surrender. I let them go. 
love them and bless them and take the next two three minutes and then I'll come back and close again and then I'll release you as Amy she's going to sing a song at the end of this song I want to come and close one more time but I want us to take the next two three minutes and speak out their name and start to pray for them and start to bless them and love them and spend time at the altar yes You know, you know. This time, Lord, to just get into your word. Lord, to see life in your word. To see your simple instructions. God, in such a practical way that we can begin, not in our own strength, walking out these, these commands, but by your power, by your spirit, by your love moving through us, we can be holy as you are holy to walk out your word to be little Christ's to be holy examples to be the salt to be the light to the world that you're calling us to be commanding us to be they're not options they're not suggestions they're commands of you God help us to take up the responsibility and to walk out your word. To walk out your word. And I'm asking if you've got to go, you can go. If you need prayer for anything, the altar team is here. The prayer team is here and wants